Any of you middle school moms who appreciate that, we were driving into Canyon on Wednesday night and she's digging through her bag. You know, she's a typical middle child. She is kind of flies by the seat of her pants and all that kind of stuff keeps me on my toes. Not super organized, but we're working on that, we're working on that. So she's digging through her bag and, and she pulls out this $20 bill and she gets this like super excited look on her face and says, see mom, it pays to be unorganized because sometimes you find things like a $20 bill and it's like Christmas. Middle school, middle school. It is exciting and fun. Well, we had, um, we just got back, most of you know, from the ladies' retreat this weekend. It was a phenomenal, phenomenal time. It was, yeah, yeah, Holly. It was a phenomenal time. We, um, it left me so excited about what God is doing in the ladies in this body and in the ladies in the body of Christ. And, you know, it's always hard because you see faces of those there. You're wanting me to switch mics? Okay. On? Do I take it off? Leave it on? All right. Um, you know, because you always see faces of people that you know are not there, you know, that are a part of our body. And so prayed for you guys and believed for you guys. But going into this um, retreat, you know, we had just really asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want? What do you have? You know, what do you have for our women? And I just really felt like he dropped the word stir, stirred up in my heart. And about two weeks out, he had given me this picture of um, this, this stagnant body, body, body of water, looked like a pond, I would call it a pond. And I don't know if you've ever had this happen before, but the picture was so real that I could literally smell the stench in the room. You know, sometimes you smell, you know, the presence of God and it's a sweet aroma and all these, but it was, it, was, it was smelly. And all this debris and nastiness was floating on top of the water. And the next thing I saw was this stick. And God put this stick in a hand. And the hand took the stick and just began to stir the waters. Stir the waters. Stir the waters. And what God told me is he said, the women in our body have become stagnant waters when I've called them to be fresh flowing rivers. And the next thing I saw was this stagnant body of water turning into this free flowing fresh river that brought health, that brought life. And it just began to encourage me to stir up the women in our congregation that God had things in store for them. And what happens in a river, if you stand in a river, there's ebb and flow, right? There's something flowing in you and there's something flowing past you. It never stops. And I think we, we have allowed ourselves, whether it be because of disappointment, whether it be because of past failures, whether it be because of past shame, we've allowed ourselves become stagnant in the waters. And God's saying, I have given you fresh life. I have nurtured you. I have things to pour into you so that you don't become stagnant, but you pour back out like a fresh flowing river. And so that was the word that we used this weekend. And so I saw women... I saw women fall to their faces and worship Jesus, similar to the women with the alabaster jar that broke oil all over Jesus's feet and, and wiped him with their tears. And I saw women laying down shame. I saw women laying down past failures. And we recognize that that is the position that we start from. It's easy to identify the root problem and say, yeah, there's a problem of being stagnant. But then you look back and you say, but why? And that's what we saw this weekend was we saw women laying down fear, laying down the, the cap that they'd put on themselves, laying down anything that was holding them back and, and recognizing just this beautiful, beautiful moment of surrender. And then you saw women rising and recognizing their purpose. We saw Deborah's call out. We saw Miriam's called out. 
Sorry, y'all. About a year ago, it was so easy to be discouraged because I looked out in our world and I saw Me Too movements and I saw women's marches and I saw all these things that my daughters are watching and my daughters are seeing and my daughters are hearing. My heart just began to cry out, God, why are they the ones influencing when we're the ones that have life, when we're the ones that have truth? And he pretty much said, you can sit here and you can be discouraged and you can be frustrated or you can hit your knees and begin to believe that I can stir hearts. And I saw that happen in this weekend and it brought me hope. And I'm excited. I'm excited for each one of you who are a part of it. It doesn't matter where you were there this weekend. We're moving and we're going and there's a fresh river that we're stepping into. So get ready, ladies. Get ready. I just want to pull. There's a couple ladies. I'm looking to see if I can find them that we're going to have give testimonies. Rachel, are you ready? Come on up. Is Amy Montgomery here? Yay. Come on. Everybody give them a hand. Yes, I am so incredibly, she's going to take over. Everybody, this is Rachel, and I'm going to let her tell your story. All right, so Cheryl did ask me to come up here, and this is way out of my comfort zone, so forgive me, I had to write it all down so that I didn't stumble over my words, but um, she came um, to me Saturday morning as we were getting ready to leave, and asked me if I would come and give testimony, and um, I had just told her, I said, you know, I have just been praying for boldness and courage, and I started to laugh, and I was like, really, like right now, this is what you want to do, like right this second, and so as I was driving home from the retreat, I heard God say to me, you know, you already have boldness, and you already have courage, but what I'm asking you to do is step out in faith, and so that's what I'm doing. I'm here and I'm stepping out in faith, I'm trying to be obedient to God. And um, I'm trusting that he's meeting me here now and providing the, um, the boldness and the courage. So I grew up in a Christian home. And forgive me because I will probably cry. But um, I grew up in a Christian home. And at the age of eight, I accepted the invitation to follow Jesus. But like most young believers, I grew up and I lived life in and of the flesh. And I knew Jesus, but I didn't know him personally. But I did trust him. And when I was 25, we had our first daughter. She was born 12 weeks early. She had a four-month stay in the NICU. And then, and then suddenly she passed away, and it was unexpected. And we were crushed. But I still went to God in prayer. And then shortly after she passed away, we got pregnant again. And unfortunately, when I was eight months pregnant, she was stillborn. And so again, I did what I only knew to do, and that was to cry out to Jesus and just pray. And so a year after our second loss, we tried again, and we got pregnant. And then I had a dream, and that dream was a confirmation that we would have a healthy baby boy. And he is now almost nine years old and very energetic. And then... Fourth and final time, we got pregnant again, and we trusted that God would give us another healthy child, and he did. And our daughter is almost, almost seven, 
And in Psalms 18.2.6, and in Psalms 18.2.6, it says, The Lord is my rock. He is my fortress and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find my protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me and my place of safety. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I I, I prayed to God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry to him reached his ears. God has proved to be very faithful through all the trials that I've went through. And life as a mother and a wife has proved to be rewarding. But it's also proved to be extremely challenging. I was still trying to do life in my own strength. And I was only talking to God on occasion when I was feeling really needy. And I kept failing at life, and I kept feeling defeated. Fear and pride, control and anger were the center of my life. I started to feel like my life was out of control and falling apart. I felt like I needed something, but I wasn't really sure what that was. Soon after my dad passed away this past Christmas, I found myself seeking answers about spiritual gifts. Then I found myself in Robert Britt's office. And there he prayed over me. And he prayed for me to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And looking back, it was in that moment that the atmosphere changed for me. I was led to a true repentance and embraced by a God who loves me and who loved me and pursued me even in the midst of my own messes. Again, he was faithful, and he's, he always will be faithful. He never gave up on me. And I realized that the more, I had been, the more that I had been desiring was the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave me an undying hunger for his word. I desire to know his heart, the heart of God and to know his ways and to daily be transformed by the Im- into the image of Christ through the daily renewing of my mind. I have found myself in a personal, personal relationship with Jesus. It's a part of Christianity I did not even know existed. I no longer just know Jesus or know of him. I now am a follower of Christ and a doer of the word. I have found joy living in obedience to God, even when the world seems to be crashing down around me. Romans 15, 13 says that I pray that God, the source of hope, will find you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with a confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. At the women's retreat, Zoe spoke about how eagles get their young out of the nest. So the mama eagle or the mama bird slowly removes parts of the nest, making it uncomfortable for the baby birds until finally they spread their wings and they fly out of the nest. And that's what God has been slowly doing in my life. As I step out of my comfort zone and surrender to God, I feel uncomfortable for a short while. But what I find is that when I get uncomfortable and I step out in faith, I find myself in the presence of the Lord. And it is in the presence of the Lord where fears are destroyed. I went into the women's retreat seeking God's face seeking more of him, desiring for him to take me deeper into the living waters. But when I, but I also went in with fear and pride, fear of what others thought of me, and then also all too often comparing myself to other believers. But God reminded me there that I have been set apart. 
Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart, and I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God reminded me that he did not give me a spirit of fear, but he gave me a spirit of power and of love. Friday morning, I heard God say to me, be confident. You are mine. Don't worry about how others view you. Stop comparing yourself to other believers. You are unique, and I can use you right where you are. Your utterances to me are like a fingerprint. I know your voice, and it ministers to me. Your words don't have to be eloquent. You just have to speak and move when I move. By the power of the resurrection, fear has no hold on me. I will be bold and full of courage and empowered to advance the kingdom of God. Prison walls have been torn down. Fear is being squashed, and the power of the resurrection is rising up. How long have you been in Eastside? Oh my gosh. Uh, 15 years. 15 years. 15 years. A faithful, faithful servant to our house. And beautiful testimony. So here you go. Thank you. It's funny during worship, uh, I don't talk loud, so I'm sorry. I hope this helps. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, during worship, I was, you know, not here, I was thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to say? Or, oh my gosh, what if I cry? And, oh my gosh, look at all these people. You know, it was just very scary. So, But then I heard the words, I just want to be in your presence. And it brought me back because that's where God wants us to be, you know? That's all we need to do, just be in his presence. So at the women's retreat, um, the first night we were there, um, we were talking about what, what makes us stuck where we are. And the word came to me, root, like the root of a vine or a root of a tree. And, you know, for some people, that's grief. For some people, it's fear. For some people, it's anxiety. Um, and that's the weed that's the, the weeds that have a hold of us. You know, those things are keeping us from growing. And so um, for me at the, the retreat the whole time, that was like a recurring theme. You know, what, where do we want to be rooted? Um, what's keeping us from growing? Um, and what, what we need to do is to let... God, pull up those weeds and prune away the dead parts so that we can grow, so that he can pour into us, so that we can pour into other people. It's all about, you know, for women, we are made to nurture, you know, and, and if we're stuck where we are, we can't pour that out to other people. So um, that's what, you know, God showed to me in uh, one of the you know, in Matthew 13, um, Jesus spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on the stony places, where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. 
But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others, but others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold and some sixty and some thirty. Where do we want a root? You know, what is our foundation? The Word of God, you know? That's where I want to root. And, you know, it's a process. You know, it's, good. it's a process. And, you know, we talked about, you know, when you plant things, there's a season where you have to wait. You know, you have to wait. And when it sprouts up, you know, God is going to prune away those dead things. And he's going to rise you up on a firm foundation and root you deeply. And, and that's when we... Well, we can start nurturing now. We nurture in the waiting. But, you know, he's going to pour into us so that we can pour into others. And as long as we're pouring into others, that, that vessel is never going to dry up. It's never going to dry up. So that's what I got. Amazing, amazing. And that's what we saw a lot of this weekend. And what I loved about it is it wasn't just, you know, the, the empty nesters. It wasn't just the moms of teenagers. It wasn't just the moms um, of small children. And it wasn't just the single women. But you looked and you saw in every season of life, God awakening the desire to not only continually be nurtured by him, but to nurture other people. You know, you see, I love what I, you know, I was talking to Kim Williams and you know, hearing her heart and just seeing somebody's heart shifting and being a voice among a single woman that says, I don't have to wait for marriage. I don't have to wait for marriage to fulfill my destiny. I don't have to wait for life to start at that moment. He has seeds for me to nurture right now. And so I'm going to choose to not love the world. And I'm going to choose to step into all that he has for me right now. And know that it does get better, but life is right now. And so that's what I'm excited about is I'm excited about seeing that. I was excited to watch mothers who are empty nesters recognize that it's not a about mourning what they lost and what they don't have anymore, but it's about God wakening their eyes to see that there is more for them to do, that there are, there are daughters all around them, there are sisters all around them that haven't been nurtured and that are looking for a mom voice in their life, and so their job is not finished, and I watched God stir that in their hearts. And I believe we're just getting started, ladies. We're just getting started. So Father, I just want to thank you so much for the testimonies we heard. Father, I wanna thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts. God, that you are stirring us. Lord, and that it starts at that place of beautiful surrender at your feet, God. God, continue what you started. Seal what you started, Father. Do not let us become complacent, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Siri didn't get it, but God heard it, right? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help that. <laughs> um, I just kind of want to... <laughs> huh? 
he did get all of us. Um, I just kind of wanted to, to, to share with you a few things, kind of, you know, and I say it's a mom to a mom, but really anybody, you know, it's for, it's for people of all stages, moms, dads, grandparents, you know, and, and, and this is what he's been teaching me. Um, it actually started a couple weeks ago with our uh, famous prophet Vulu over there during transition. And uh, my goal is to see how many eye rolls I can get from Vulu in the next 15 minutes. So if I keep looking over there, that's why. Uh, no, but anyways, what he said was he said during transition, he said, there is an invitation being given for you to partner with heaven. There is an invitation being given for you to partner with heaven. And that's just been mewling around in my mind. And then last week when Arthur was here, you know, and he painted this picture for us of God on the edge of his seat, sitting with expectation, waiting to be gracious to us, waiting to be gracious to us. And God has been teaching me that those two things look like partnering with him to steward my children, to steward my family. My whole life I've thought of stewardship, and, and that's a real big word right now. We're hearing that a lot, stewarding this, stewarding that, stewarding this, stewarding that. And I started thinking about it, and my whole life, you know, since, I guess I said whole life, my whole adult life, I've thought that stewarding meant God is giving something to me, right? He's giving something to me, and at that point, it's my job to make that perfect. At that point, it's my job. He's, he's given me children to steward. So I take my, chit, my kids, and my job is to make it perfect. He's given me money. My job is to take that and make it perfect. House, you know, job, finances. You just apply it to any area of life. That was my perspective of stewarding. And I felt like when I heard that from you, Vulo, I felt like that's what God was saying to me is he said, what you miss there is that's not an invitation for you to take over. It's not an invitation for you to say, okay, here's my seven-step plan on how I'm going to be a good mom. Here's my seven-step plan on how I'm going to do my finances. But it looks like partnering with heaven and saying, Father, you've given me this. Let's tag team this. How do you want to do it? How do you want to do it? You know me. You know my children. You know me. You know my husband. How do I steward this? How do I steward? And, and instead of taking the responsibility away from God and putting that on my shoulder, instead of partnering with God, I made it about perfectionism. And God just has begun to show me over and over again, Cheryl, it's stewardship is not about perfectionism. It's about partnership. There is an invitation that he gives to every one of us to partner with him as we raise our children as we raise our grandchildren, as we work our jobs, as we go about our life, there's a partnership process that happens. And we have the ability to take that over in and of our own strength. And I think, you know, any Enneagram One personalities out there can relate. Like our job is to fix everything, right? Our job is to fix it all. We gotta make it perfect. It can't be messy. It's gotta be beautiful. You know, will you tag that into parenting? What does that look like? Parenting's a mess. Parenting's hard. Marriage is hard. Pastoring's hard. <laughs> right? So instead of, instead of me taking on this idea that my job is to take what God's given me and stewarded that by perfecting it apart from him, it's never going to work. 
It leaves you tired. It leaves you exhausted. And so that is the word that I felt like he wanted to encourage us with this morning as there is an invitation. He is sitting on the edge of his seat waiting for you to ask to partner with him, waiting for you to stop trying to do it on your own, in and of your strength, apart from him, we are nothing. Amen. Let's turn to um, Proverbs. I actually am going to write it down. Proverbs 14.1 says, A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. A wise woman builds her home, but a foolish woman tears it down with her, old hand, with her own hands. When I steward void of partnership with heaven, I destroy the very thing I'm seeking to build. When I steward void of partnership with heaven, I destroy the very thing I'm seeking to build. So what does that look like? It looks like in situations where I see maybe fruit in my children's life that I don't agree looks like the word of God, you know, rising up and instead of saying, oh, they're just really bad at that or they're, that's just their personality or anything like that. It looks like me saying, no, this is, this is what the word of God says. The word of God says that if I partner with the Holy Spirit, I can see in my children and call things out, right? And so I can see that my children are for signs, wonders, and miracles and not for death and destruction, so when I hear death and destruction coming out of my mouth, when I hear death and destruction coming out of my children's mouth, I partner with the Holy Spirit and I say, Father, help me see my children the way you see them. Help me see them the way the word of God says. Help me raise them the way that you've called them to be raised. That's partnering with the Holy Spirit. The reverse side of that is me continuing to speak death and destruction. You know, Proverbs 1821 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You know, in our, in our Christian charismatic world, at least that's, that's what I was brought up in, it was confession, 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 confession. And it lets stuff a bad taste in my mouth that I dive over to the other side and I'm like, I'm just keeping my mouth shut. You know, God wants to do it, he wants to do it. Not recognizing that I still have the ability to speak life or death. But the part of that that I was missing is it's not the manipulation of God. I'm going to manipulate God to make my children the way I want them to behave. But it's hearing him, getting on my knees, saying, Father, what's your heart for my family? What's your heart for my home? What's your heart for my children? Partnering with the Holy Spirit and then speaking that out over them. That's not manipulation. That's linking arms. That's partnering with heaven. And that is what we build our house on. That is how we don't tear it down with our own hands. One of my favorite verses right now, we read it um, on the ladies' retreat, is Proverbs 14.4. Because when you, when you choose to do things God's way, you know, Brandon preached it a couple weeks ago, when you choose to do things God's way, it's not always easy. Right? It's not always easy. There's messes. You know, Eugene Peterson says, says hard things like this. It's a long obedience in the same direction. It's a lot of doing the same thing and not seeing a lot of result right away, right? And it's messy. Proverbs 14, four. 
In the Passion Translation, I'm going to read it. It says, the only clean stable is an empty stable. So if you want the work of an ox and to enjoy an abundant harvest, you'll have a mess or two to clean up. It goes on to say, where there is no action, there are no problems. If you have problems, you're probably doing it the right way. To have power, the strong ox is referred to there, one must sometimes put up with the clutter that comes with it. So what does that mean? Sometimes when you do things God's way, you got to clean up poo, right? Can I say that in church? We're moms, Mother's Day, right? Seriously, though, I mean, think about it. And it's not just moms raising children. It's life. Anytime we partner with the Holy Spirit and we choose to do things the way he's called us to do it, there's going to be hard times. There's going to be messes. But what it says here is the messes, that's what produces strength, right? With the mess, choosing the hard words, the hard coaching, the stuff we don't like to do in those hard times, relying on the Father, that's what produces strength, the strength of an ox which is what we're raising our children to be. It's what, we're, what we want to encourage our coworkers to be, right? I think as, as I say as moms, because that's kind of what we're talking about today, but as people in general following the Lord, we, you know, we love to do whatever seems right in our own eyes, whatever makes the most logical sense. You know, and Brandon, again, he said that a couple weeks ago, like it, that's, not, that's not the easy way. It's not partnering what partnering with heaven looks like. I want to tell you a quick story real quick, and it comes out of Judges 4. I'm not going to read it because it's a little bit lengthy, but I would encourage you. It's the story of Deborah, and I would encourage you um, to take some time to study Deborah. The time that she was living in was a time when Israel had no king, And so he would raise up, the Lord would raise up leaders or prophets or judges over the nation during this time. And it kind of reminds me of where we're at a little bit today, because when you start reading through it, it, you know, there's a lot of, um, and the people did things in their own eyes. And they continually did evil in the eyes of the Lord, doing whatever seemed right in their own eyes. And then they would cry out to the Lord, and the Lord would lean forward with mercy and compassion, and he would send a leader to rescue them. And then the people would go back, doing things in their own eyes, and the Lord would come again, and he would save a leader to rescue them. And it goes on and on and on and on, and what you would see is you would see the mercy of the Lord continually extended to a group of people. The faithfulness of the Lord. But you also see that same Lord allow armies to be raised up against his people because they continue to do wrong in the eyes of the Lord. And some of us have created messes in our homes or in our lives, single, married, empty nesters, whatever it looks like. We've created messes in our own lives and we want to know why and how we get out of it. And God has a way out of it. And it looks like partnering with heaven, but it's not easy. And so we often look and say, Where's the mercy of the Lord here? Where's the mercy of the Lord? And it's there. He's leaning in, waiting to be gracious. And so that's what's going on during this time. You see a king that was 
coming up against the children of Israel. And so you have Deborah. Deborah was in that time the judge. She was a prophetess. She was a counselor. She was a trustworthy leader. And the leader um, with her during that time over Israel's army was Barak. And Barak came to her and he said, hey, these great armies are coming against us, are coming against us. What do we do? What do we do? And she, she prophesied. She said, the Lord will rescue you. The Lord will give you victory if you go out to meet this army. But she prophesied that it would come through the hands of a woman. There's a lot we could study and dig and go in there, but we're not going to do that because what I want to focus on is what happens next. So he goes out. So then at that same time, there was someone living in the land, and his name was, okay, this this is a fun one. Herbert the Kenite was his name. Herbert the Kenite. And he had a wife named J.L. Has anybody ever heard of J.L. before? She's briefly mentioned in this story of Deborah. And if you don't pay attention, it's, it's quick. It's quick to miss her. But what God was showing me in this story, so the leader of the army coming up against Israel, you have Barak and Deborah who are leading the children of Israel. And then you have Sisera, who is the, the leader of the army coming against Israel. And Sisera became allies with Jael's husband. So you have Jael and her husband who have always been, you know, kind of friends and in the know with the Israelites, partnering with them. You know, they were on friendly terms, so they were allies. And in this particular situation, Jael and her husband chose to become allies with the army that was moving against the children of Israel. So Sisera and his army. What happens is, you know, just like Deborah had prophesied, they, they meet and they are, they are in battle and they are in war. And the Lord rises up and brings victory through Barak and Deborah and the children of Israel. And Sisera, who was the leader of the other army, hits the road and he flees. I, I'm out of here. We're losing. I'm out of here. So what he does is he remembers that, that Jael and her husband right, are allies to them. And so he goes and he seeks hiding in their tent. So the enemy is seeking to hide in this, in this tent. And what happens is Jael recognizes Sisera. And she recognizes that he is against God's people, who at one point in time her and her husband were allies to. So she invites him into her tent, gives him, gives him something to drink, falls asleep, and while she's asleep, drives a tent peg through his temple. Nice, encouraging story, huh? Happy Mother's Day! But what God was telling me, what God was showing me in this weird, sorry, y'all, I love the weird stories. What God was showing me in this, in this story was that here is this woman who saw the truth, who saw the Israelites, who saw the hand of God on a group of people. And even though her culture was telling her what to do, her household was telling her to turn against the people of the Lord, right? Her household, so everything that she knew was telling her the way to go, the easy way to go. Hide, hide him. We're going to keep him safe. We're going to protect him. She knew that that was the wrong thing. She knew that that was the world's decision and not what the Lord wanted. And so in that moment, she chose to not entertain 
the enemy. She chose to not entertain the world's perspective, the world's views, the world's ideas. And not only did she choose to not entertain it, she went one step further and she chose to put it to death, right? And I don't care what season of life you're in, God was just stirring in me to tell you, to remind you, you cannot entertain the enemy in your lives. You cannot. That is the opposite of partnering with heaven. That will not produce good fruit in your life. In that moment, she made the hard choice and she chose what was right. She chose to partner with the Lord. So just like Deborah had prophesied, God brought victory to the Israelites, but it came through the hands of a woman, a woman who was willing. And I say this to say, we think, ladies, that our voice doesn't matter, right? We think that, oh, I just have to settle for what's happened. I just have to settle for what life's been up until this point. But I believe God's raising up women to have, have eyes to see where God's moving. That they don't just settle for this is how it's always been. This is what my house has always looked like. This is what culture tells me I should do. But they have eyes to see where God's going and what God's doing and what life looks like. And choose to put to death and kick out what doesn't look like him. Amen. God is looking for men and women, mothers, sisters, and granddaughters that will not flirt or entertain the world, the world's ways of thinking and the world's ways of doing things. I'm constantly asking myself, you know, because you can't jump on Instagram Facebook, anything like that without seeing these, you know, what's big now is influencers, right? They, companies pay these people to influence their friends, to influence their sphere of influence with their product. You know, and it's, it, it's saddening me that the world is doing a better job of influencing than we are. And so that's, that's really what I want to stir in you guys today is, you know, let's check our hearts. Let's ask the Lord... Are we partnering with him? Are we being alert and aware of the things that we're allowing in our homes that look like the world? Even if it's easier. Even if it's the hard road. Because the only way that we're going to shape our culture, the only way that, you know, my girls are not going to have, you know, more of these you know, Me Too movement, Me Too movements, and all of these things happening is if we have mothers and daughters that raise up and teach them truth, and teach them that yes, there is, and I am. Oh, listen, please, please, please hear my heart. I am not belittling. I recognize that there is genuine hurt. There is genuine hurt in women's lives, and I am not belittling that. But what my heart is sad about is that we haven't had the mothers to nurture and show them where real healing comes from. Because this world is our sphere of influence. This world is our tent. It goes beyond my house. It goes beyond this house, right? And so if we're not willing to say, this looks like the world, 
I will not partner with it. I choose to partner with heaven. Then culture will not change. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you find yourself as one that's been entertaining the enemy in your home. And there's no condemnation, but it's just a wake-up call to say, God, I need your help. I've not done it right from this point, and I need your help. And it's not too late. At any moment, right, he's waiting. He's sitting. I'm just waiting for them to ask, to be gracious, to extend mercy. Maybe you are in a season of, and this is, I was feeling this really heavy during praise and worship, and, and I think, Rachel, you, te- you hit on it a little bit in your testimony, but maybe you're really just in a season of disappointment and barrenness. You know, when you hear us talking about fruit and you hear us talking about families, and, you know, Mother's Day's hard because you've not seen that fruit to nurture. You've not seen what you thought it would be. And so you're just really stuck in a period of grief. You're stuck in a period of, of, of not really knowing what to do because it's not gone the way you thought. And I think God really wants to minister to that this morning. I think he wants to minister and just open eyes to see that there are, there are, there are women around you that need to be nurtured. Just because it didn't go the way you thought it would doesn't mean that you don't have anything to give. So let's go ahead and stand up. Christine or... See here. Play. This is what I want to do. I just want to have a time of, you know, because the bottom line is, y'all, I can I can stand up here and I can talk about these things that God's stirring in my heart. But it's not going to change anything, right? Apart from revelation of Him speaking to you. And I just want to have a time this morning of just praying over our women. I don't care if you're in here and you're 10. I don't care if you're in here and you're 100. I don't care what season of life you're in. Mom, single woman, empty nester, grandma, or the barren woman that's empty. This is what I want us to do. I want the husbands and the grandfathers and the brothers, I want you guys to surround them. And we're going to pray over them because I believe that God wants to raise up. I saw it happen in this weekend. I believe that God wants to raise up Deborah's. He wants to raise up Miriam's. He wants to raise up Esther's. He wants to bring life in dry places this morning. And Pastor Alex, I'm gonna ask as, as just head of this house, if you would come and just pray. Pray that over. <clears throat> Good. I love what Anna said. Anna said, you can't have life and death. Isn't that interesting? You can't have life and death. Hmm. 
So guys, we're going to pray over our women, okay? That means that we're going to pray out loud and we're going to pray loudly. So if you could repeat after me, Father, let's do it again, let's do it a little louder. You ready? Father, we thank you for our women. We thank you, God, that you created women. We agree that it's real good. Somebody say hallelujah. Father, they're a gift. You knew how badly we needed them. You knew that we were incomplete without them. And so you blessed us. So we say thank you. We recognize, Lord Jesus, that they can do nothing without you. So I pray that your power, your great grace would come upon them. That they would be incredibly creative. That freedom then only comes from you would exist in each heart. And so we take off the limitations. Let's say that one more time. We take off the limitations, all the limitations that the world and the church has put on women. (laughs) And we free them, declare freedom that you intended from the very beginning. And so we release creativity. We release that nurturing gift that you created in each one. And we pray that it prosper. That great grace would come upon it. It's not by might. It's not by power. It's not by special interest groups. It's by the Spirit of God. Bless, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen.